Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? A little rusty because we, uh, I mean, to the listeners, it's just another week, another episode, but we... Another day, another dollar, David. <laughs> we took a week off. We did two in a row back then. So I'm mm-hmm. trying to think what big developments in film have happened, if there's anything we forgot to touch on or didn't get a chance to discuss. You know, I don't think so. I don't think there's been any uh, big releases uh, that there, <laughs> you know, that people have an opinion on. Yeah. <laughs> I think we can probably just breeze right past it. Well, not, uh, we, we can't breeze right past it yet. Right. First, we have to... Uh, you know, pay some bills here. We gotta Absolutely. Keep, we we got to keep the lights on here. Um, <laughs> okay. And then we can breeze, breeze past it. Yeah, absolutely. Let's hold off on the breezing past. Yeah. Uh, well, first, obviously, uh, I'm assuming at this point everyone is listening uh, via their tweakedaudio.com. I'm assuming earbuds. that, yes. I say tweakedaudio.com earbuds just to keep it brief. Mm-hmm. But really, it's tweakedaudio.com slash pretension. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's where you go to get the tweakedaudio.com earbuds that are already great, high-quality earbuds in at, affor- at an affordable price. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, with tweakedaudio.com slash pretension, you get one-third off of your order and it's free a, shipping. It's a steal. Free shipping. And uh, and if you want to uh, you know support the show, a, uh, a percentage of the proceeds uh, go to help us. So, yeah, yes, uh, if you wanted to do that, get yourself some uh, quality earbuds and help us out at the same time. Okay. Also helping us out. All right. Uh, Wonder Mill Films. Uh, we've talked about them before, but here we go again. Wonder Mill Films needs your help to get their smart and acclaimed genre movies onto Netflix, Hulu, and iTunes. From May 25th to June 23rd, so it's coming up, the southern indie filmmakers are raising funds via Kickstarter to gain wider exposure for their sci-fi adventure, A Genesis Found, and their noir thriller, The Nocturnal Third. The films have screened at universities across the Southeast and have been reviewed by Film Threat, Man I Love Films, and Battleship Pretension. To help get that is us. What? <laughs> uh, to help get Wonder Mill's Southern genre films from the South to your couch, visit thenocturnalthird.com or battleshippretension.com and click on the banner ad. You can find Wonder Mill on Twitter at Wonder Mill Films. At Wonder Mill Films. Definitely check them out. Now, Tyler, recently we had talked about changing the format, so we were going to do a sort of opening bit, then do the advertising. Right. We didn't do that today. We did right. the advertising right up front. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. Well, because we we have a guest, and we, we, can, do we don't guest. know if he if he stands by these products. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> he, yeah, we, we have to keep him uh, plausible deniability exactly. in case he's sponsored by some other sort of headphone yeah. company or, you know, independent film collective. So... Uh, I will intro- I'll introduce the guest sure, because yeah, I think uh, should. we're going to have him on back in January, but there are some passport issues. He is from he's from out of town, and uh, I didn't mean to be so angry about that or, or worried, <laughs> like, but uh, or xenophobic. Um, so uh, we we uh, just pushed it back for you know uh, some you know at some point, and then uh, I'll be honest, I kind of forgot, <laughs> <laughs> and then on my flight back from New Zealand. I was uh, reading uh, on. I was on Qantas, which is an Australian uh, magazine, uh, Australian airline, and I was reading the Qantas magazine, and uh, I saw an article with this gentleman. I was like, "Oh yeah, I should send him an email," <laughs> and uh, and he was gracious enough to be here. So it is uh, uh, our our friend from uh, down under, 
That's the last I'm going to say anything like that. Uh, it's Will Anderson. Will, how are you? Yes, thank you very much. It feels like it's uh, uh, been a production in the making. <laughs> I flew home for one day. It was I was meant to fly back to Australia. My girlfriend doesn't like to fly. Uh-huh. And so I thought that I would fly home with her so that she wasn't by herself on the flight. And I was just going to fly back to LA the next day. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I didn't take anything home. I, I literally just the jeans that I was wearing and the T-shirt that I had. And I put my passport in my pocket. And I thought, I'll fly home, sleep at home for the night, and then uh, fly back the next day. Okay. I've got up the next morning, and I said to my girlfriend, I said, I'll wear my jeans. She goes, I'll wash them for you. I thought, isn't that nice? (laughs) Isn't that nice? And I said, where did you put my passport? And there was just one of those pauses that you were like, well, if this was a movie, we don't need to spell out what has happened. But we went to the bathroom, and it was a uh, washed version of my face that kind of, I mean, to be honest, like probably looks like... Like in, uh, that passport photo in relation to what my face looks like looks a bit like mi- what Mickey Rourke used to look like in comparison <laughs> to what his face looks like now. So I possibly could have got through on that sort of <laughs> bad bad, bad plastic surgery. Uh, this used to be a, 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 a epidemic or something. There's an Australian band that I like called Royal Headache. I don't know if they're big in Australia, no. or but uh, <laughs> I was supposed to go see them a couple weeks ago, and they couldn't make it out for passport or visa reasons or something. And we they also rescheduled. The so. terrorists have won. Yeah. That's, I think that's what we can... <laughs> but Qantas is bringing people together, it sounds like. It sure is. Now, and here's... Okay. Now, it's, hold on. As far as the listeners know at this point, yeah. unless they're familiar with Will Anderson, is that this is just a guy from Australia. We haven't mm. said that this is that comedian. This, also, that there's been some article about me in a magazine. <laughs> yeah. I could, I could be a, a pilot. Man, it was just a man on the street there. Yeah. It was, uh, <laughs> it's in a Qantas magazine. I could well be a hero pilot that landed a plane on some river, <laughs> right. and that's why you've invited me in, because they're making a movie of my life. Well, let's just you know what? I, I, <laughs> I would absolutely do that. Uh, um, uh, that'd be fine. But, uh, uh, no, uh, comedian and um, and television host uh, Will Anderson. That's who. Yes, who yes. this is. And radio, right? You've done radio as well. Yes, indeed. Okay, um, but. Uh, Qantas. All right. Mm-hmm. I don't want to focus only on your being Australian, although you're the first Australian we've had on the show that I'm aware of. Um, <laughs> and I, and I, I, I like to be a spokesman for my people. Okay. So, good. so I'm, I'm fine with that. When I went to New Zealand, I certainly was, and I didn't expect to be. Mm. Uh, but uh, You were a spokesman for Australians in New <laughs> yeah. Zealand? Is that because they, you know what? They, they're like, we have, uh, I'm not going to. Okay. Um, Qantas is like the best flying experience I've ever had. Now, you wouldn't expect that from a 13-hour flight, and I wasn't in first class or anything, but it's, I got first-class treatment, and I loved it. Now, you, I assume you fly, do you fly uh, Qantas when you go back and forth? I do, yes. Okay. Have you had uh, bo- both my flight there and back top-notch? Do you have, what, what do you think about Qantas? It, it, I just was in London doing shows, and I flew from here, so I had to fly American Airlines mm-hmm. to London. And I wanted to write a letter to Qantas to apologize for any time as a hack comedian <laughs> I had made a bad airline food joke oh, because yeah. I realized once you've uh, flown on another airline that isn't Qantas, you can't make bad airline food jokes <laughs> on Qantas. Like, I, I, I feel like the best bit of going on holiday is going on the Qantas plane. Like, essentially, you have to sit, like, to c- 
to get to anywhere from Australia, you have to fly about 13 hours. Mm. And like for you guys, and I'm sure you're a bit like me, that's like four movies that I get to watch <laughs> yeah. while someone brings me food and alcohol. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like I get through so many movies that I avoid at the cinema, like on that stretch. <laughs> like I'll watch eight or nine, you know, films. And, and some of them, like, you know, they're the, those ones that you would never, ever yeah, find time to watch. And there'll be like about one in every eight where you're like, you know what? Miss Congeniality 2 wasn't as bad a film as people saw. That what was else, probably a poor did, example, though. What, well, what else did you see on your, what did you watch on your most recent uh, flight? Now, okay, so I, and now I have to, off the top of my head, remember what I watched on the <laughs> flight. Uh, what was the, I watched the, that, hor- I'm, I'm fascinated by hoping that Ryan Reynolds will be in a good film at some stage <laughs> because it's, he seems like a guy who should be a movie star. Yeah. yeah. Like he's, you know, he's funny yeah. and he's, he's got a great body and he's like good looking mm-hmm. and, and he's just horrible. <laughs> like <laughs> he's just like a horrible black hole vacuum. I was about to say like, well, which one film. did you see? It doesn't really matter, does <laughs> no. it? No. <laughs> they're, they're all horribly exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah okay so you saw hmm. you know one of those yeah green lantern or just friends who knows <laughs> right. oh no it wasn't green lantern i saw that uh, on uh first release because i am a uh i'm i'm the superhero fan so oh, okay. that's my that's my market oh, okay like, so what do you what do you think of the original green lantern alan scott coming out as gay Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm in favor of that. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's a guy who's wearing a flamboyant ring. <laughs> like, you know, green seems to be a color that, that works. I mean, you're creating fabulous things all the time out of your imagination. It it feels like a pride march sometimes, the green lantern, you know. Now, if you, look, cool. just, if you look behind you there, you'll see my shelf of Riddler figures, speaking of uh, green tights. But, um, you know, it's odd. <laughs> Nothing else to say about that. Just... No, not at all. I just wanted to say there it is. You put the time and money into building the collection. Yeah. Exactly. I'm going point, to point it out to yeah. people. Yeah. So... <laughs> And, it's and, rare it comes up so easily. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Every single podcast when he has a guest in, he's like, when can I bring that up? Is this, is this the moment? Um, but uh, so uh, what is the, this Green Lantern's, Lantern's name? Alan, Alan Scott. Alan Scott. the original Green Lantern. Oddly enough, I have a problem with him being gay, but not the reason, not the problem that people would think I would have. Because people, uh, do, the, the, the listenership is already decided that you're a horrible homophobe there's no question about it (laughs) i'm a christian so what other choice do i have uh no the uh because dc i mean it was a it was a big deal when that when that uh came out but um it's every time i read an article about it the picture they've chosen for alan scott is the green lantern like engulfed in flames yeah it seems a little he's flaming yeah all right obvious thanks picture but um no, it's uh, and and DC made sort of a big deal about it. They made like almost like a press release, and Parham's like, okay, so you want to be seen as uh, forward thinking and progressive and all of that kind of thing, and good for you. Here's the thing, though. You also pretty quickly say it's not that one. It's not that green. Oh, no, it's not Hal. Hal it's not Hal Jordan. Hal Jordan. Yeah. It's the other one. Don't worry, the character you love is not gay. It's the Green Lantern the is char- gay. The character, the Green Lantern, you haven't thought about in decades. That's the one that's gay. right. Yeah, By the way, if you're in the Green Lantern universe, sometimes shit goes badly with the Green Lanterns. Sometimes <laughs> things that don't turn out well with Green Lanterns. And it's just, it's like if the it's like if the second Robin was turned out to be gay, you know. And then it's just like Robin's gay. No, no, it's not Dick Grayson. It's Tim Drake. 
Is that oh. and there's a Jake and, uh, Jason in there? I don't know. I don't totally know all of this, <laughs> but uh, there are several Robins. Well, I'm, what I'm what superheroes do you like? Is Green Lantern one of your? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I bat, bat, the Batman release is the, the, the probably the thing that keeps me alive sometimes on Dark Nights. Yeah, like oh, yeah. literally on Dark Nights, <laughs> but that was an unintentional pun. But there is times in my life where I'm away from home and you're driving two hours to an eight minute gig that you're not getting paid for. <laughs> that the only thing that keeps me going is the fact, yeah, yeah. yeah July twenty, I will be in a cinema watching yeah. <laughs> The Dark Knight Rises. So that that's the big one. But I was really, really impressed with the Avengers. Like, like I, oh, yeah. I just thought that came together much better than anyone could have reasonably expected. Now, when yeah. you say came together, you could also say it assembled. <laughs> it, it didn't uh-huh. it assemble, no, but it did I'm assemble. Sorry. I know it, it's it. It did exactly. It's the film was like the team, like just all these movies, some good, some not great, and uh, they come together to form something that is greater than the sum of its some of its parts. Uh, now, let me ask you You're like. Looking forward to July twentieth. Obviously, you know the date. You're super into it. Are you like me? Because I see, I see so many movies that I get a little jaded, and I don't tend to get excited for upcoming releases the way I did maybe in high school. Uh, you know, but when there is one, it's so rare a thing like that. I'm excited to see this movie that I start having this fear like I'm going to get hit by a bus or something. Like I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm not going to live to see this movie come out. It's like the only movie I want to see. Oh, I, I go a step further than that. Like uh-huh. I, in my diary, that like my, <laughs> and because I have careers in like a bunch of different countries, I have managers in different countries that have to coordinate. You know what time of the day it might be in a, you uh-huh. know, a country that I'm doing things. So I have these complicated diaries that look like something out of the Matrix, and all of them have that date completely <laughs> out. <laughs> like I in every it. time zone, I don't want to be in some continent i don't want someone in that country making a mistake and putting something into my diary that day and i've got to do a phone call in london when i'm meant to be in a gold class cinema watching that movie for the third time that day i think my last ones like that were i don't want to apologize for the harry potter movies oh no question i was then uh return of the king sort of for me oh okay um but a thing happened today that i just want to mention um i don't know did you see the film attack the block yes okay have you read Neil Stevenson's book, Snow Crash? No. Do you know? Okay. It's one of my favorite novels of all time. And just today, it was uh, the news came out that Paramount has hired Joe Cornish, writer and director of Attack the Block, to adapt and possibly direct Snow Crash. And I want it to be out tomorrow. Like, yeah. I want to see it so bad. That, that's that's going to be my new one, that I'm going to be on the edge of my seat until that happens. I was uh, lucky enough, uh, I, I guess it was a year ago, um, maybe even a little a bit more than that. Uh, Joss Whedon came out to Australia to do a, uh, it was at the Sydney Opera House and it was just a, a Q&A basically, wow. you know, uh, and so they asked me if I would go along and um, host it for them. And mm. they just pull me in occasionally for, it's not a formal thing, just if they have someone in town that they thought that I might be interested in, like, because I'm a bit geek culturally. So, so it'll just be someone like Neil, do you know who Neil Gaiman oh, is? Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, or um, I did one with Alan Ball, the the true blood mm-hmm. yeah so something kind of in that sort of you know slightly left of mainstream thing and it do, to do a sort of q a where they want someone who's a fan more than an interviewer mm-hmm. right and and so i uh, joss came out for that and we, and we did this q a but it was while he was working on 
the Avengers script and we went out to lunch with him beforehand. It was just a friend of mine and I, like, and uh-huh. him out at lunch. And it was so hard not to just spend, like, the entire <laughs> lunch asking me questions. And what's the Hulk going to do? And, like, how are you going to make this happen? And, and because you, you couldn't ask. But I, I remember at the time, the, the, I walked away from it thinking, I don't know if he knows how he's going to do this because the way he spoke about it to us was that he'd written 60 pages of it and he kind of had an idea of where he's going. And I'm like, oh, he doesn't even have a, like, you know, full plan of where it's going. This is going to be this unwieldy mess. And I just thought it came together so, so much better than it should have. Yeah. More more so than I think even the most optimistic person could have predicted. Uh, and I'm not trying to be like – I try to avoid uh, hyperbole when I can. But like no one – I don't think anybody thought it was going to be that good. It right. makes, it it makes be- me think all the other movies that led up to it are better than they are. Because that's the, <laughs> that's the thing that I think about it. Like It's like they've taken all those ingredients. Normally what happens is you take a few good ingredients, but you combine them together and it means that it just doesn't taste as good. Right. But they just took all those ingredients and it just turned in this super meal. And then suddenly I look back and go, yeah, Captain America. Actually, I'd love – yeah, Captain America was great, which I didn't think. I yeah. was kind of – I was left a bit cold by Cap- – I liked Thor. I thought Thor was great. I loved Iron Man. I didn't like Iron Man too. Mm-hmm. You know, like – the Hulk movies, they, I mean, the Hulk, they just, they shouldn't make Hulk movies. They should just make heaps of Avengers movies with the Hulk in it. Yeah. <laughs> that's what you want to see. You want to see the Hulk dominate an yeah. ensemble movie. You just don't want, you know, because, yeah, anyway. He, I, was in I, a ju- he was in it just the right mm-hmm. amount, I mm-hmm. think. Like, just too much and you kind of get used to the effect, but they were in a... But Mark Ruffalo was great, too. Mark oh. Ruffalo is wonderful, yes. I mean, yeah, sorry. I don't mean to And I mean, to I should say him. Mark Ruffalo as... Bruce, Bruce Banner, Banner cuz Mark Ruffalo was the he did the motion capture right. for the Hulk as well. Um but yeah no but Bruce the, Banner's but, great. But the so. humor of the like the, all the, uh-huh. I mean you know I, I don't want to do this but there's a lot of physical stuff I mean is there anyone in the world who has seen yeah, the Avengers? Yeah, yeah. Everyone's if got you're it. not if you if you were interested in seeing the Avengers you've seen it by now. Yeah, but exactly. A lot of that physical stuff where like the Hulk is just smashing people randomly yeah mm-hmm. that's unexpected I think uh-huh. all that humor I thought that was why it works so well. And when he punches yeah. Thor, that's pretty oh. awesome. That's <laughs> just in quiet. the middle of the fight. Um, now, uh, you actually reminded me of, or, or said something I think is going to get us into something we wanted to talk about, mm-hmm. is that people uh, who get, we've talked about anticipation for, for movies that are coming out, and people who get really into a franchise or an upcoming thing and hype it for a year or something, and then sometimes if, it's, if it doesn't live up to the hype, you'll find... Uh, uh, you know, uh, plenty of people who are able to say oh, that was a disappointment, but you'll find certain people defending it regardless, you know, mm-hmm. uh, at least right off the bat. Like, I know, um, I mean, right now among among geeks, it's pretty much uh, taken for granted that uh, Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace was not good. Mm-hmm. But if you remember at the time, there were still diehards defending it. There's a and very it, good documentary called The People vs. George yeah, Lucas that uh, explores explores this way in a, in a deeper way than I ever expected. It's a very good movie. It is good. Yeah, mm-hmm. I saw it. And it talks about that. Um, but I kind of see it happening a little bit again uh, with Prometheus, which just came out. Um, I, which I, you know, I, I was, I, I'm into the Alien franchise. Maybe not, I don't want to claim to be on the level with, of, you know, the biggest alien geeks but it's a franchise that i'm into Mm. uh and so i was excited about this but you know with that some of that jadedness that i've talked about i haven't liked a lot of ridley scott's films recently but i was excited and i in my opinion it was a pretty big disappointment 
But you hear people talking, trying to. I feel like they're trying to rationalize. I don't. What, what did you guys think? I kind of know what you thought. Now we're talk about it off mic. But what did you guys? We're going to try to avoid spoilers, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, it, you know, like if I, there I, are any spoilers, I will either cut them out or I will add in a warning. Okay. Any spoilers I think that merit that. Uh, but, okay. and, yeah, let's. Try and, and before avoid. we, and just while we're on that, I'm going to say that one of the the things that is my major complaint with this film is that I think it's pretty hard. To, to give any spoilers because I think so much of it was spoiled by the the campaign beforehand. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like there was so much that... Mo- I mean, I, I don't want to live in a world where I have to avoid trailers because yeah. I, I don't... I like watching trailers mm-hmm. and I like getting excited about films, but I, I really felt like even when I was going into this film, I felt like I bet I could guess... 85% of what's going to happen already mm. just based on what I've seen. And after seeing it, I felt like that was pretty accurate. I didn't think I, it surprised that me that much. And that other 15% is stuff that nobody could guess because it's pu- totally confusing. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, I, it I actually doesn't did, make sense. I actually did avoid shows for this. I saw at Comic-Con last year, I saw the panel where they showed... I wouldn't even really call it footage. It was just like a sort of sizzle reel, just a bunch of shots and, and some music. Uh, and from that day until when I went to see it on Monday, I saw not a frame of the film hmm. um good for you and uh yeah but it's just it's, i still didn't like it <laughs> i don't know what <laughs> i just mean that like because i i've started to t- sort of take a page from from your book david and that i i try to avoid trailers but every once in a while it's just like yeah all right i guess i'll i'll watch this and so i i watched i it's a wonderful trailer i really wish the film had been that uh <laughs> but it wasn't uh i yeah, the, the I liked trailer, it more than I expected. No, I liked it more than most people, mm. but I also didn't like it nearly as much as I wanted to. The thing with the trailer, at least the one, because after I saw it, I went and I watched the trailers, and and there was a theme toward the end of the trailers, especially the one that I really liked. I think it was the second official trailer that had the it incorporated the sort of alien like uh, siren yeah. alarm mm-hmm. into the music, and it just had a lot of quick cuts, and you hear the guy screaming, "Cut it off!" And it's like this is going to be. A horror movie, yeah. like what I want. This is going to be some sort of body horror. Like, uh, I, th- I think I'm, I'm glad I didn't see that trailer because I would have gone in expecting more of that. Mm-hmm. And I really like. I saw the movie next day. Watched the tra- that trailer and thought, well, yeah, that's the movie I wanted to see. Yeah, uh, that's that's why everyone's so excited. <laughs> yeah, I think the 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 movie everybody imagined in their own head after seeing that trailer was better than mo- than the movie that oh, we yeah. got to yeah. see. Yeah, and it's. Uh, and like like David, I uh, I'm a huge fan of the Alien series. I think the first one I saw when I was a kid, too young to see it certainly was uh, Aliens. And then as I got older, I watched Alien. I was like, oh, this is pretty great. And uh, then I saw the other ones. Um, I even saw Alien vs Predator. I did not see the the second Alien vs Predator. Requiem. I have Requiem. Yeah, that's right. I've got my limits. But um, <laughs> but uh, and so I was I was sort of excited for this, and and I remember just uh, hearing all the all the echoes of like this is sort of a prequel but also not it's it's kind of a world building kind of thing i was like oh that sounds awesome and it's just like oh it talks about the space jockey it's like oh <laughs> i was just i was so excited uh and then you see that film that i think is too ambitious and not ambitious enough at the same time <laughs> i don't know how that's possible yeah. like here's the thing compare the first scene of that film of which one prometheus oh okay compare the the first scene to the last the very last scene before the credits Uh compare those and you see every like i'm thrilled i'm super excited with what this movie's going to be and 
oh, that's what the movie is. <laughs> you know, it's. I don't know, but I didn't even like that first scene. It seemed like um, it was too effects heavy, and I guess that's not. I mean, not that I'm not one of those people who has a, you know is dismissive about CGI, but I, mm-hmm. I guess. I kept hearing, yeah, really got to talk about it. This has the DNA of Alien. And, you know, Alien is a, uh, for as um, grand as it, as it looks and as H.R. Giger's designs are and, and the sets and the matte paintings and stuff, it's a pretty, like, it's a movie that pretty much has its feet on the ground, I think, a lot yeah. of times. It has, it almost, and a lot of times it has more in common with slasher horror than it does with with science fiction in a lot of ways. And And so... I was immediately in that first scene with the pretty heavy use of CGI augmentation and stuff, and, and then straight CGI. Anyway, in a second. <laughs> uh, we can't talk about the spoilers. but um, So I was pretty much off the bat kind of, I don't know, you know, not, I, not I, trepidatious. I, I agree with you about the way that it looked. like Because I think that CGI has, and, and I'm not an anti-CGI person either, but I think that it's ruined something looking spectacular and beautiful mm-hmm. because we think it's very easy to make something look spectacular and beautiful <laughs> now. So how visually impressive that first you know stuff should be, mm-hmm. you kind of just go, oh, yeah. You know, we've seen this before now, and yeah. and it's not it, it's not as visually stunning as it's meant to be, mm-hmm. and and I felt like I was like, yeah, I'm not as impressed by this. I don't think this is as beautiful or as stunning as it's meant to be, and as I would have thought it was ten years ago. I yeah, think I, they, I think I like that first scene more uh, thematically, conceptually, and conceptually right. than that, yeah, because yeah. it's just like, wow, this film. Like, I, I I'm sorry, this is gonna sound really geeky. I'm sorry, everybody. Is like ooh hard sci-fi like that's what I thought, uh-huh. and then at the end she's like, nope, that's not what this is. <laughs> but the, uh, I'm going to keep comparing comparing it to Alien. I don't know if that's uh, fair, but I think it is. Well, it's 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 inviting the comparison, and okay. that's unfortunate because yeah. it comes up short. Because I think if it, look, look at the run times, they're pretty similar. Alien might be a little shorter, but I think Alien's Prom- just short of two hours. Okay, and Prometheus is just over two hours. Uh, and yet, really, in Alien, not that much happens. And so you've got this time to sink into the world and the characters. You know, there are in in both in both movies you've got minor characters being picked off early in gruesome ways. But the difference is in Alien, you already by the time this happens, thirty minutes into the film or whatever, you already know these characters and you yeah. and you feel a certain way about them. By the time the most the, minor characters in Alien are Harry Dean Stanton and John Hurt, uh, yeah, and, and yeah, Kodo, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in this one, they almost do that. And, you know, that horror thing of just creating unlikable characters who you right. clearly know are about to get killed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really lazy storytelling. Yeah. Like, it's just like, here are the two you don't really like. Exactly. They're the ones you're not going to really care about when something bad and alien-like happens yeah. to them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm not going to get into too many spoilers, but yeah, those those two characters, they're introduced. At the moment they're introduced, you're like, oh, these are, these are going to get killed early and then at the moment they become separated from the group it's just like yeah. ah, this oh is okay all... so those are the two sorry there's so the many characters i didn't like <laughs> that i didn't know i didn't really know which ones you were talking about uh but yeah i won't say any more spoilers except for separated yeah. from the group but at that point you're like there and again it's, it's i feel like i'm walking a, a thin line because i keep talking about how alien fit into uh the slasher horror formula almost in a way but while feeling fresh. And I guess, I mean, slasher films were newer <laughs> in the late 70s. I mean, mm. Halloween was only the year before. Was it 78? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, speaking of uh, lazy storytelling, like there's a lot of stuff in there 
And this is what I'm talking about. It's just like it, it has these questions that it wants to ask and it doesn't always – doesn't always – it rarely answers them. Uh, but it has the questions and it wants to explore them. And so that's what I mean when I say it's ambitious. Then it has – okay, well – No, I think, I think what it does – I don't think it even is ambitious. It sets out a question that would be ambitious to try to answer, but then it shows no ambition toward actually answering it. Right. And just but, – uh, but yes, but the fact that it's asking the question is to me – that doesn't give it a pass, but it's just like, oh, it ultimately winds up being more frustrating because you're just like, oh, this is what it could have been. But um, the thing that bothers me is like it goes it goes to that thing of like characters acting in a way that nobody would act. Yeah. And uh-huh. in Alien, everybody acts exactly the way you would act right down to Tom Skerritt going in the he, he, he does a very her- kind of a heroic thing. He goes into the air duct. But as soon as things start to even slightly get a little, he's like, okay, I want to get out of here. How do I get out of here? You know, like he knows, he sees the writing on the wall. That, and I think that's the, 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 my major flaw with this whole film is that idea that the characters make no sense. It makes no sense what they're doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, and yeah, okay, if this is too much of a spoiler, I'll, you can just cut this out. But uh, like, I think this kind of, okay, hopefully this is vague enough. But this, the, essentially, a scientist finds, yeah, graffiti on a cave wall and assumes that means she's going to get to meet God. Like, that's not what a scientist does. Yeah, and A scientist yeah. just goes, that's excellent graffiti. Let's journey to the end of the universe then- on some mission where, so I can high-five God. Like, with no – like, they didn't seem – they don't seem to have any proper equipment. There seems to be no plan. Nobody on the crew knows each other. Like, they all wake up a bit confused and they haven't even hired good people, it seems. Like, a lot of effort's been going into whatever this – mission is that I won't go into but mm-hmm. clearly someone spent some money on it then they've just put together a whole bunch of people scientists who aren't good at scientists uh-huh. yeah guys yeah geologists who aren't good at knowing directions back to a like, anyway look there's yeah. it just makes no sense and None in the, the characters and in the midst of that the thing that got me like in the moment like you are taking me out of this prometheus which is one of the uh one of the two people we don't like uh that you guys made reference to not the other ones uh one of them has shown himself to be not a coward but self, self-preserving. And then he meets a life form that is clearly upset with him. <laughs> but he just insists on getting closer and closer. No, no, it's beautiful. It's like, first off, no, it isn't. And secondly, come on. I can't believe that you suddenly – you're so entranced by this thing that you are – suddenly not the guy that i know you to be and it's like stuff like that is what i'm talking yeah. it's just like you're not even being true to the two-dimensional characters you've set up uh, but speaking of what scientists don't do the other scientist the the male scientist gets to where they're going doesn't find the exact thing that he wanted and like becomes despairing well, immediately it's like, again that's not what scientists do yeah well, you made reference- certainly once you've like gone on a mission to the end of the universe <laughs> like you'd think you'd go oh well we'll take another five <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, we'll have a look around i mean it wasn't exactly what i was hoping for but we've already come this far <laughs> right <laughs> yeah and it, it's like what, what did he think he was going to to find and also I, that whole character is just unlikable to me like i just i really was not rooting for him because it's but just it, like this is and Look, I, this is only my thing, but sometimes you just go, if I was more involved in this movie, I wouldn't be caring about, mm-hmm. you know, what's happening. Yeah. And I was distracted by the fact going, they obviously just couldn't afford Tom Hardy, so they got this oh. guy <laughs> who's a bit like Tom Hardy. Yeah. And then <laughs> the other guy's got a kind of Christian Bale machinist look going on. And then they've got the yeah, the other girl with the dragon tattoo doing some weird accent that changes during the movie. 
maybe that's one yeah. of the mysteries. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> like, the, that guy, he does like I was going to, you know, breeze over it because I thought like, well, that's kind of a silly thing for me to say. But okay, yes, he looks like Tom Hardy, and it's very strange because just like, but he doesn't have any of the uh, magnetism that yeah. Tom Hardy has. But uh, man, oh man, it's and it's just such. A, it's like they were sitting around going, "We need like Tom Hardy, but charisma free. Can we get? Can we get that guy? Look, things are going to go bad for this guy, and uh, we don't want anyone sad about that." <laughs> um, now, before we started uh, recording, we were talking about Prometheus, and you guys uh, both said that you liked it more initially, and the more you thought about it. So I don't know if you guys want to talk. Okay. about Okay, well, I, I can give you like my because I ha- I didn't go in with the baggage that you guys mm-hmm. have. I was at best like liked Alien mm-hmm. and Aliens, like, but, but I was never a fan. I was never one of those people that you know. Okay, that's off putting. So, go on. <laughs> but I, I I wasn't, and and my best friend is like a massive fan. So mm-hmm. we both went into this, you know, with very different. And he'd read everything, and he's the one who'd sent me all the trailers uh-huh. in the first place, and <laughs> and I'd watched all that. And I sat there for the first – so I didn't have those high expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I f- sat there for about the first half of it and went, you know what this is? It's like if this had Vin Diesel in it, I'd be going, this is pretty good for a Vin Diesel movie. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what it felt like. Yeah, like the It was a Chronicle of Riddick. Of Riddick. Yeah, that's what yeah. it, it felt like <laughs> to me. It was just perfect. like a, you know, serviceable sort of, you know, space mission that made no real sense. But, you know, there was going to be some monsters and, you know, the ones we didn't like would die and someone we did like in their undies would live and that would be the end. Well done, Vin Diesel. High five. And so for the first half of it, that's what I felt like. And then, then it does that thing of, and it, it just it feels like it just feels like it needs to get finished mm-hmm. like it changes pace halfway through and it feels like it just realized oh my god I've, we've got still got to do these seven other things <laughs> we might as well just do them quickly and in a row uh-huh. and there was no sort of to me even the big moment uh you know which is obviously meant to be the the version of the you know alien out of the stomach for this next generation moment mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even that, I, I just felt like uh, it was just like it was watch- like it was like watching a video clip. You just felt uh-huh. like it was all just sort of image, and there was and I kind of th- and so I kind of walked away going, oh yeah, all right, seven out of ten. Like you uh-huh. know, I enjoyed it. You know, I, I wasn't bored. Seven out of ten. And then, like, I reckon the day after it was a six out of ten. And then more, I just started thinking about all the flaws. Like, mm. I was haunted by just how little sense any of it uh, – maybe uh, – yeah, anyway, I don't know if there's a thing we can talk about. But uh, anyway, Guy Pierce is in the film. Mm. Anyway. No, I don't know why Guy, Guy yeah. Pierce is chosen for that role. Yeah, yeah. It, it makes absolutely no sense uh, other than they're already planning for the you know, the – the sequel to this film in which mm-hmm. they you know, find what they were going for and that makes you know the fact that Guy Pearce plays this character in uh-huh. this film to make sense but you're just like going well I don't know just yeah. <laughs> what is what is well, going on why did is, you see, did why you is see, that happening yeah, yeah did you see like the the TED talk thing with Guy Pe- like a young Guy Pearce yeah and like that was great yeah. I loved that and then it's just like oh but he's not in the movie young Get an older actor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, even though I thought the makeup wasn't terrible, uh, except with the hair, but for the like the the face wasn't awful. But nonetheless, it's just like the movie as is does not require a young man to play this role. So stop distracting me and get. Uh, you, you can even get like a, a notable 
a notable older actor. Get a like a Jim Broadbent or something like that. You know, hey, what the hell? Go with John Hurt. I don't care. Like that'd be fun. And uh, and they'd that'd make no sense. But uh, well, that's fine. But uh, it's there. There's just I'd say probably seven out of six or seven out of ten for me uh, because I, I really wanted to like it. And and I realized all the stuff I liked about it. It's just like well, those like those are beautiful sets. It's like those are from other. I liked them more in better movies. <laughs> so I'll just I'll just take that. Did you guys see it in three D? No. Yeah, I did. I did. I, I liked the three D. Okay. Know. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> you know, here's another thing that bothered me about it. Sorry, I'm taking off points every time I talk about this That's movie. Fine. But the thing I liked about uh, the Alien franchise was the idea that there was like a strong sort of feminine. Yeah, you know, hero mm-hmm. at the heart of it. <clears throat> That's something that, even though I didn't love those films, I always thought was kind of you know a cool thing and seemed at the time to be something that wasn't happening a lot, right? Mm-hmm. In this one, it feels like they're trying to replicate that, mm-hmm. except that the only two characters that run around constantly in their underwear are the women. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like the first time you see Charlize Theron's character, she's in her underwear doing push-ups. Uh-huh. Then you know the girl with the indistinguishable accent yeah, she runs around in her underwear all the time that was the and fourth like, Steve Larson book yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like and I'm kind of like well if it's kind of strong and female and you know powerful do, why do they have to be in their underpants all the time uh-huh. and that you is a, that is a standard thing for the alien films except there are other people that are scantily clad as well so um, yeah yeah Sigourney Weaver, Weaver is definitely in her underwear in Alien uh, yeah. um, but anyway that's uh Speaking of uh, Numerator Pass uh, in her in her underwear, uh, uh, again, we should move on. But there's a scene in the movie that is theoretically what I wanted out of the movie, in that it's, like, horrifyingly gory. <laughs> uh, and yet still, because I don't care about the characters and just because everything at that point you're talking about feels so rushed, uh, I was like, I can't even enjoy the thing I thought I would I would enjoy. Are you referring to, I'll just say, the surgery scene? Yeah, which is... I, th- I think conceptually really unsettling and gross, yeah. but I didn't even feel like no. they yeah. rushed into it so fast mm-hmm. and then it was over so fast. And then she's scampering about like yeah. she just didn't go through surgery. Yeah. Here's, here, I, I, this is not a spoiler, but all I'm just saying is you don't need a first aid kit at home. Just you need to live near a staple because <laughs> you will be fine. You can fix everything. All right. Well, let's. Uh, we we wanted to talk about Prometheus, but I, I don't want the whole episode to turn into it. What uh, what else have you seen right, lately? Or here's a question I like to ask guests when we don't have a topic. Uh, you know, what are your what what are the movies? Not necessarily things you consider your favorite. What are the movies you find yourself watching the most often? What what do you return to? Yeah, that's 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 a good question. I like that. I. Uh, I'm a massive uh, Christopher Nolan fan, which mm-hmm. I know uh, you know divides you guys occasionally uh-huh. uh, when I listen in. Uh, I, I I was never one of those people who was devoted to anybody. I was never one of those people who like I always envied my friends who were like I just love everything that Woody Allen does, or I just uh-huh. love everything that Steven Spielberg does. And I'd never had somebody when I was growing up that I was like I've enjoyed every single thing that you've done. And then Christopher Nolan came along, and I've never not liked. Like I understand that there are movies of his that are better than other movies, uh-huh. and I understand 
that are, there are friends of mine who've told me why they don't like the movies <laughs> and I understand the words that are coming out of their mouth <laughs> but I just smile at them like I smile at them in the way that you know you must smile at someone when they're going well I don't really believe in anything and you're like well I have this belief that guides my life well that's what I'm like with Christopher Nolan <laughs> okay. All right. I just trust him that's why I'm so confident about July yeah. 20 because I don't doubt that he will get this right I'm just like whatever you want Chris I, I know that you've got Batman's best interest in heart. This is going to... So, you're the, you're the person who, you. when you hear that the runtime is apparently two hours and 45 I minutes... I celebrate that. I celebrate... Literally, my friend and I tweeted each other when we heard that. We, it was the most exciting thing I'd ever heard in my life. There's a reason you need to block off the whole day in your calendar, because then you could watch it, I guess, twice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, he's, he's a filmmaker that... Though, yes, as you've said, David and I are, are uh, can be critical of him uh, at times, specifically, specifically Inception, because I like the Prestige more than you do. Yeah, yeah, I, I didn't um, love the Prestige. I love um, uh, David Bowie. Uh, oh yeah, in He's, the Prestige, I think he is great, and I kind of like. I just wanted the movie to be about Tesla. I was like, I, I'm loving this scene better than every. Uh, uh, one day, if we ever get to know each other better, which <laughs> will probably be dependent on how you react to this story, <laughs> uh, I will give you my 20 minute lecture that I give people at home about why the Prestige is one of the greatest movies <laughs> of all time. But I need to stand next to a television and pause different bits of it to I, just. I would love that. We should, <laughs> oh, we should do a video uh, like special feature bonus bonus yeah. episode. That that would be so great. We gotta, re- you know what we gotta do? We gotta start the live shows again. Have one be about, oh, say twice the length of the Prestige, and then just you, you know, a Will Anderson tutorial on the Prestige. Um, a lot of it is just me, like with my head in my hand, shouting. You see, the structure of the movie is also the plot of the movie. <laughs> Sometimes I just feel the need to reinforce that to yeah, people. Yeah. Well, it sounds to me, uh, if I, it sounds to me like you should uh, watch, uh, you should listen to my episode of The Dark Knight and my episode of The Prestige of More Than One Lesson, my other podcast. Nice. Uh, since you did compare uh, my my faith with <laughs> your love of Christopher Nolan, I feel like it com- it comes together quite nicely. <laughs> yeah. Um. It were, so I assume you were a fan of, in, uh, of Inception. Yeah, I I loved it. Okay. I, and, but that to me, that's an interesting one because I didn't love it the first time I saw it. Mm-hmm. Like. The first time it washed over me a little bit because just there's just so much going on mm. in that film. And I, I, it took me a little while to go back and watch it a second time because I wasn't sure that I was going to like it when I watched it a second time. Now I can't stop watching it because I feel like it, to me, it's, I, I find it more rewarding each time because mm. I, maybe I'm just, I don't get things as quickly as other people. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe, like, I think it's some great gift that, like, I'm like, oh, it rewards me every time. But maybe I just am stupid and take 20 times to get the things. People go, yeah, I got that the first time. Uh But I I always find, like, there's new things there and I kind of get what the movie's about now in a way that when I first watched it, I I didn't you know understand so i he, dig that movie a lot and i love like it i i was listening to the podcast and hearing like when people talk badly about inception i really do sit there and go oh yeah no it's interesting that they would say that but we all know better don't we <laughs> wink chris <laughs> uh yeah i, I do think i i i mean i've i've expressed some trepidation about uh dark Knight rises because i didn't like inception that much but I think as long as he, you know, remembers to make an action film, 
I think the Dark Knight Rises will will be good because he he is even in Inception, which I don't like that much. The um, not the zero gravity part, but the spinning hallway part with yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt and the uh, the other guy fighting over the gun down the mm-hmm. hallway into the room is amazing. Like uh, I want to, I, I I don't like the movie. I want to buy the Blu-ray just so I can watch that scene whenever I have have <laughs> a, a, a notion to. And I think he's a really good director of action who doesn't consider himself such necessarily. Um, and maybe that's I think there are good and bad uh, reper- repercussions to that. But you think about the. Obviously, the uh, the car chase and the flipping semi in uh, the Dark Knight—that's not only an amazing, uh, amazingly conceived set piece; it's mm-hmm. amazingly well executed as well. Uh, so I think, I, I yeah, I've got some trepidation, but I think the Dark Knight Rises will probably be be good. Even even when he makes a movie that I don't really like, and I mean, you hate the uh, you hate Inception, and I merely... I'm trying to, I'm trying to stay a little I'm trying to stay posy in this episode. Fair enough. Uh, but uh, so uh, I'm going to bring some positivity. So okay. between the right. two of us, <laughs> <All right>. well, <laughs> you'll you, probably even it out. Yeah, you, can hate, you can yeah. love, and I'll be right there in the yeah. middle. Uh, no, it's um, even when he makes a movie that I don't uh, love or I, I don't really embrace. Um, he's always interesting. I think as a filmmaker, uh, there like there's stuff in Inception. Where I'm just like you don't need to. You know, I, you don't need to be explaining all of this. Like you can explain. How about this? Take a five-minute explanation, cut it down to two. I'll figure. I'll fill in the rest, and if I don't, I'll watch it again, and you get more money. <laughs> yeah. But um, it's. Uh, but even even in scenes like that, where I'm kind of frustrated with the exposition, it's just like it's still. I still like his visual sense, and I still like his instincts as a storyteller, as a visual storyteller. Um, and it's maybe that's what what frustrated me about, uh, frustrated me about Inception so much was that a visual storyteller so frequently stopped and had someone tell the story mm. and uh and that that bothered me but he's always interesting uh, it, i'm not even no, a huge fan th- of following and i liked it i think that um it also depends on how you view christopher nolan as a filmmaker mm-hmm. because if you think that he's if you view him as a guy who's like oh well he's capable of more than this or i wish he'd sort of you know taken some of the dialogue or exposition out of here mm-hmm. and you know give it like somebody you know who'd been that I liked more would have done it that sort of way. Mm-hmm. Or I kind of think of him as like a guy who wants to make big sort of, you know, action popular movies, but is can be bothered making them a bit smart as well. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think that, you know, for me, I'm just like, oh, I can go and watch an action film or I can go and watch like a superhero film and I don't have to take my brain out. I, I, I don't have to go and see the Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and that's what I, I'm always like, oh my God, I, I can see. I don't have to go and see dump some sort of uh, yeah the transporter. I can go and see Inception as an action movie, and that no, feels I think like the the Dark Knight is a great example of that because I think other action films, uh, even you could say the Avengers, have in sort of broad ways, um, uh, you know, used sort of post September 11th war on terrorism sort of fears, uh, you know, uh, whereas I think the Dark Knight. Uh, I think Christopher Nolan uh, obviously deserves the credit, but also, well, what's his brother's name who writes? Uh, Jonathan. Jonathan Nolan. As I, I don't think he's great at dialogue specifically, making it sound natural, but as far as... Uh, the Dark Knight is not just in a sort of post-9-11 type world. It is a very specific and well-thought-out allegory that actually works mm-hmm. and is and is challenging to... Uh, I, I think challenging to either a conservative or liberal pro or anti uh, George W. Bush like uh, view on things. Uh, I... I 
Uh, so yeah, I think it, he is capable of being very smart. I don't think his Inception is as smart as he thinks it is, <laughs> but I think he's very yeah. capable. The Dark Knight is really good. It's you know it's uh, I I've thought, I did a, an episode of uh, More Than One Lesson on the Dark Knight uh, back around uh, Christmas, and since then I've been thinking about it because uh, I've gone back and forth, and I'm back to liking it, if not actually just straight up loving it. Um, and yes, the terrorism aspect uh, or the 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 allegory there is. So fascinating to me because I, I almost okay. I almost want like the Secretary of Defense to watch it, <laughs> like and and all politicians because in that moment, like the what's really scary about the Joker is that you cannot do anything to deter him. He is ideological. It is not about you know. It's not about gain or well. I stand to lose my money or oh, I could go to jail. He doesn't care. You cannot do anything to stop him from doing what he's going to do except to, like, physically restrain him so that he can't go and do that thing. And by the way, he'll probably adapt and find something horrible to do in his cell. But uh, – and in that way, like, it very much the, is the, like that. The dilemma is to what extent do you compromise other people's privacy right. and personal individual rights in order to protect them from this unstoppable thing that's like that's really fascinating batman has never seen a villain like this much in the same way that like throughout you know we had the cold war we had all that kind of stuff but then we come across this and all of a sudden i okay all right uh i was interning at at a uh, film company and i read through a first not a first draft but one of the drafts of aaron sorkin's charlie wilson's war Mm. and there's and this line is not in the final film, but I thought it was interesting. And it's it's uh, Gust talking about, uh, like, as everybody's celebrating about the defeat of the Russians, and he says something. And I'd see why they took it out, but he says something of, like, you know, there might be a day when we are desperately wishing for the time when we were fighting against the godless Russians, mm. you know. And, uh, and it was just a really... I'm it glad that nice specific moment. line isn't in there because that sentiment is very much in, in yeah. the film. It doesn't need to be literalized. Do you, have you seen that movie, Charlie Wilson's War? I have, but I thought the more important point that I wanted to make was okay. that even though uh, in The Dark Knight uh, it was a great sort of look into the, you know, yeah, he, he, Batman, obviously there's a, that great scene. I think we can spoil the end of that, can we? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Uh, uh, you know, where like, Lucius has to put his name in and all the you know, TV screens explode. Mm-hmm. But I, even in a movie, and even, you know, that's a dram- dramatic gesture, I couldn't help but sit in the cinema and think there was no need to destroy all those televisions. <laughs> like, you, like you don't have to spy on everyone. Like you could use those televisions to like just as televisions. You, you can like yeah. there's no actual. You like can you wi- just essentially just destroyed. You might like you can wipe the software. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he's essentially done what the Joker did, which is burn a, a huge pile of cash. Like Batman <laughs> is doing the exact same thing, but in a different way. Um, now, uh, I, w- I want to ask you, you know, we're getting, uh, close to an hour here, but, um, I want to ask you about Australian film. Yeah, of course. Yeah, what, uh, what do you like? Is there any, is there something that we haven't seen? I and mean, I feel like we get, well, we got, um, Animal Kingdom. Animal Kingdom. Uh, obviously Chopper was like 10 years ago. Yep. Um, oh my gosh, it was. We've gotten... The Proposition, my favorite film of uh, that year. Which I still haven't seen. Uh, Do you ever get uh, an Australian film called The Castle? 
Did you ever I've see the Castaway? I've heard of it, yes, but I, I haven't seen it. Okay, okay, if I could recommend one film to people that you, that people might not have heard of, uh-huh. it's an Australian comedy film. Uh, it's called The Castle, and it was uh, the film that well, it was the film that Eric Banner did before he did okay. Chopper. But this is what Eric being a comedian because. I mean, I know this has been written about, so I guess people who know about movies probably know this now. But Eric Banner was an Australian comedian, yeah. an Australian stand-up comedian. Um, but he, when he came to Hollywood, he hasn't done any comedy. So, uh, but he yeah. really, really funny guy. Like you know, he did sort of sketches and impressions. Like it, he would have been a star on Saturday Night Live, mm-hmm. an absolute superstar. Like because his characters are amazing and his gift for comedy is amazing. But he's obviously decided that he uh, didn't want to do it anymore. Well, I mean, whatever, it is, but, I mean, uh, you say no. Comedy- but Chopper is hilarious. Yeah, yeah that but that's, not, is Ameri- really that's funny. not an American film. I see. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. But saying. yeah, since he came over, he oh, just is... Funny people, yeah. I didn't see. Where yeah, he but, played a straight man, uh, which is so weird. Like, everyone was in Australia because like, because we follow Australians' careers. Uh-huh. So we you have this, you know, interest in these people that ordinarily you probably just... You know, because if you if you live in America, like most of the actors and actresses are American. So what you basically do is choose the ones you like. Mm-hmm. But when you're from somewhere smaller, <laughs> you also just barrack for ones who are from where you're from, uh-huh. even though some but some people always ask, what's the difference between an Australian and a New Zealander? Mm-hmm. And I always say, well, Russell Crowe was an Australian when he won his Oscar and he was from New Zealand when he threw the phone at those people. So, <laughs> <laughs> so basically, you barrack for people. Like, uh-huh. it's like, you know, when Kate Blanchett wins an Oscar, that's like Australia wins an Oscar, you know. Yeah, Jeffrey oh. Rush and, you know, people like that. Well, I was in New Zealand when uh, Brett McKenzie had, had w- just won an Oscar for his uh, song in the Muppets, yeah, and oh my gosh, it was crazy! Like his, he was all over magazines, and it says it kept saying like, uh, and I, I don't fault them, you know, it's a smaller no. country, do what you got to do, but like. Uh, it all it almost always said like our Brett. Yeah, it said I would have. Yeah, I definitely would have. <laughs> and they would have been making out that the most prestigious Oscar that is awarded every year is best original song. <laughs> and everybody has always known that. That's what Australia is like. But it, but it's nice because you do get to see you know people sort of come through the system there and sort of you know make a lot of them make really interesting work. Eric Bann is kind of an interesting case study because he's somebody who. A comedy, you know, a, a, a huge comedy guy in Australia, and he comes to the U.S. and they're like, "I'm sorry, you're too good looking. You yeah. have to be a lead." Yeah, <laughs> and the lead is boring. Uh, and that's and it's like part of and he always, I guess, he always has the option of saying no. But at the same time, it's like if that's how Hollywood is choosing to see you, and if that's how you're going to be successful, then part of me is like, "Well, I feel bad that that's what's happening to him." But uh, I guess, you know, you got to pay the bills. Uh, another example of that is another Australian, Anthony LaPaglia, oh, yeah. whose name is not that, but he, lo- but he looks Italian. Yeah. And so they had him take on an Italian name mm. so that he would get gangster type roles and he and he drops his accent. Uh, the only thing know. I've seen him with an accent in it, I think, is Lantana. Lantana. I don't know if you've ever seen yep. yeah, yeah. that. Although you yeah, know, it's compulsory for us to watch all successful Australian <laughs> films. Yeah. It's okay. I forget. It's here, only one or two a year, <laughs> so it's it's not a big. Because here, Lantana is like, here's this great little movie that you probably haven't heard of. Yeah. So I, I forget that. Yeah, yeah, of course you've seen that. Anything you've heard of, <laughs> we celebrated on a grand scale. Is basically how it works. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Priscilla Queen of the Desert, Muriel's Wedding, like oh, Muriel's you know. Wedding. Uh, Muriel's Wedding is so good. Um, and I actually didn't see analyze that. Uh, but uh, Anthony Anthony Lapaglia or Lapaglia, uh, Lapaglia. I saw analyze that. I don't remember it though. Well, he's 
he's playing he's an actor playing like this mob boss oh, okay. that uh, I think uh, I haven't seen it but uh, Robert De Niro is like uh, yeah, consulting right. and uh, so he's like you know playing this like you know this New York kind of thing and then they yell cut and then LaPaglia goes into his natural Australian <laughs> accent awesome. and it's just like and I wanted to see the movie just for that because <laughs> it seemed like it'd be a, a fun sensibility uh, what about Alex Proyas because he's an Australian director who has made mostly American films. The only Australian film of his I've seen is Garage Days, which I didn't like. I don't know if you saw that. I did say yes. Um, <laughs> that was one of the compulsory ones. But yeah, no, it wasn't one of my favorites. But did he make films? I didn't uh, know who he was before The Crow. Did he make no, films uh, I in mean, Australia before? No, I think he did. Like A lot of the time what will happen in Australia is some people will do one thing. Mm-hmm. because that's normally enough because if and i know a lot of my friends who are filmmakers have come over here and their their advice has been just make your film in australia where you can get it made mm-hmm. and then if it's any good you know you you can yeah you know, people people will look at it and look i've had friends who did that i, I a fr- good friend of mine's a guy called greg mclean and he made a film called wolf creek which was like an oh, australian yeah. horror film yeah and Greg was like, you know, he was sleeping on his floor in his office, like, you know, while he was making ads, you know, like, because uh-huh. he had no money and he was putting everything into his film. And he was just like, you know, you're crazy, mate, who's making, you know, a film. And I remember one night we're around and he said, oh, the film's finished, you know, can you, you have a look at it? And I was so like, oh, God, this is going to be shit. <laughs> like, I don't want to watch this. Like, and he's here and I'm going to have to pretend that this is like good and, and, I mean, I loved it. I I, I thought it was really, really great. But yeah, um, I, I used to my um my uh, ex girlfriend and I had a tradition of uh, going to the movies on Christmas Day and seeing something that is as far from a Christmas movie as possible. Yeah. And so I saw Wolf Creek on Christmas Day. <laughs> Mission accomplished. <laughs> yeah. Well done. Movie, again, I, yeah, I agree. It's really well made. I, it, it would be hard for me to sit through it again because it's really brutal. <laughs> oh, it's amazingly brutal, but also. You know, because like some of the events in that sort of like it's it's vaguely based on a true right. story. Mm-hmm. So like you see in the news in Australia occasionally, like the the people that are involved in that, <laughs> it, it just makes it all a bit more freaky. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, so yeah, the, you see a lot of good little films. Are I saw you, a really good. Oh, sorry, the castle. Sorry, I just oh, really oh, wanted no, to sorry, yeah. just mention this because yeah, Eric Banner's in it. If the, like, but it was made by a bunch of um, Australians. Is an Australian actor called Michael Caton who's done a little bit of comedy stuff over here. He's an older guy, but not. It won't be full of people that people know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still like it's probably twenty years old now, and I still think it's the perfect comedy film. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think I've ever seen like I put it up there with like films. Like, I always think of, like, The Princess Bride or When Harry Met Sally, like, which are very different films. And, like, but they always just film, like, those films feel like they're just perfect. You know, they just came out how they're meant to mm-hmm. come out. And this is what this film's like. It's just such a perfect little I will comedy film. check that out. Yeah, highly, highly recommended. I'm- like... I know this is no recommendation. This is like a horror. This probably is against my argument. But um, Adam Sandler and... Uh, Rob Schneider were massive fans of this film and uh-huh. flew like cast members over to be in movies of theirs and stuff off the back of just how much they'd love this little Australian film. It's 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 very very good and like people I, I I've never really ever met anyone who didn't like the film. It's a it's a I'll great check film. It out. Man, w- you happen to bring up Adam Sandler at the yeah. this weekend when oh, uh, that's, that's my boy, boy comes out and oh so, my god. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I lost all credibility. I'm sorry. Every I, every one of his movies sounds like a bet. Like, <laughs> every one sounds like they go, well, we got away with me pretending to be my sister. What can we do next? Even, right. even the good ones. Even like, it's like, I bet you can't be in a movie uh, directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. It's like, I bet I can. <laughs> and then he makes Punch Drunk Love, which is wonderful. Um, I could just spend the whole episode just asking you about Australian movies that I like. Uh, Japanese Story. You've seen that? Yeah, I have. Yeah. yeah. That's a cool movie, I thought. And no one here no one here saw it did you did you like it yeah i really liked it there was um a bunch of actually god i I wanted to recommend another one to you as well um oh now but anyway around that time look australia had a really nice period of time for about like four or five years where like there was a bunch of good films that came out and then the last two or three years there was a very successful australian film called red dog like, which is this family movie, and it's made like it's about this dog, like in the <laughs> middle of the like the Australian desert, and it's this like it's based on a true story. But this movie, it's like the little movie that could. It's like made like sixty million dollars or something worldwide, and I saw it on a plane, and it like it could have been written by an eight year old. Like it's really about <laughs> a loyal dog, and I cried, and I was like, yeah, I can see why that movie is making money. Yeah. It's just essentially like a giant Lassie episode or something. But, yeah. Uh, now I want to point out to our like more, I guess, film buff listeners that we're talking about recent stuff. Obviously, we're not talking about Nicholas Rogue or or uh, Peter Weir. Yeah, that right, obviously, yeah. Walkabout, and I mean, I. Recently, we were asked, Tyler and I, to, uh, for Film School Rejects, provide our top 10 films of all, our top 10 favorite films of all time, and Picnic and Hanging Rock is one of my 10 yeah. favorite films of all time. So we're just talking about recent films. But even, of, like, you know, also, like, Mad Max and, yeah, and yeah. you know, the, the, those early films were, I mean, yeah. there was some really amazing... There was that documentary, which I didn't see. Uh, was it called Not Quite Hollywood? I yeah, think? that's oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, about like the sort of exploitation action. That's right. Uh, I really want to see that. Ozploitation, I, I like believe. That. Now, you can't have an exploitation movement without having some yeah, sort of uh, play on the word exploitation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I want to mention another film because I don't literally I don't know any other person who's seen this film because the circumstances in which I saw it I was the only person I knew. Is uh, it Young Einstein by <laughs> Yahoo Serious? Oh, good. I'm glad you brought that up because that saves me the trouble of bringing it up. But uh, we'll talk, there was a, a very small uh, Australian drama that I quite liked, despite it being very odd, about a like beat cop who gets tinnitus, and it was called Noise. Have you oh, ever yeah. heard of this? Yeah, it stars a guy called Brendan Cowell. Okay, and uh, he's yeah, so he's he was the actor in it, and he won a bunch of AFIs, which is like I, the Australian Film Industry Award. And I just wonder why. It didn't. I mean, it's. I mean, certainly we're talking about we talked about some very good movies, but I, I, I just wonder. I, 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 saw, I found I liked the movie so much. I was wondering why it wasn't like an indie, uh, you know, alt crowd, art, art house crowd hit here. Uh, it didn't really seem to get much of a release here at all. There's. I reckon in Australia, there's one of those movies a year. Like there'd be a movie mm-hmm. that comes out of Australia that is of that quality at least that no one ever hears about. Yeah. Like yeah. it's still small enough that not everything that's good gets a go. Like there's some great Australian films or films that I've seen that I thought were fantastic that just never made it out of Australia. Well, I'm going to recommend noise to people because it's literally 90 minutes about a guy who has tinnitus, but it becomes so much inside his head and like just how much it like drives him drives him nuts it's a really fascinating movie that sounds great yeah it's really and good. it sounds like uh like a 
potential for like a really great performance and, and all that. But uh, now I did want to, I apologize that we uh, have been uh, spending so much time talking about uh, Australian film. Wait, is that something we need to apologize for? No. Well, okay, I, good. You know, I feel like I'm actually representing on behalf of my country. All this time is finally paying off. I did, if like, it feels strange. Get some more water. Oh, right? sure. I'm there's a, there's another, another yeah. bottle in there. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, in, in the fridge. fridge. Yeah. We got a loosey goosey episode here. Okay, fair I'm enough. Taking you, a bite of pineapple. Having your pineapple now, um, but uh, the thing that when we have some, like when when we had when we had uh, Matthias on and we talked about like being a film lover in Germany and that sort mm-hmm. of thing, like I I, I don't want anyone to any guest from another another land to think, well, hey. All I see when I see you is an Australian. I recognize you're a person with opinions and loves and passions and experiences, but all I see is that you're not American. Like I, that's so that's why I apologize instinctively. But, but um, I mean, my thing is that it's a it's a an insider a point of view on the world of film that we don't normally have here on the show. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so I want so we've talked a lot about uh, good movies, movies that we recommend, uh, but. By far, I mean, when most Americans think of a movie about Australia, they will think of Crocodile Dundee. Yep. Even though a good portion of it takes place in New York. Which uh, Crocodile Dundee, though, which at the time was the highest grossing independent film of all time. Mm. Yeah, it was like, it was, it was I, these are not the exact stats, but it was made for like $1.6 million and like, you know, made $250 million or something ridiculous like that. And I think it was unseated by another thing you don't think of as an independent film which is the first teenage mutant ninja turtles movie oh that's right independently produced but i think currently the highest grossing standing independent film is uh passion of the christ that's right yes yes i still i feel my i mean i instinctively feel it's like blair witch because they made it for so little and it made the, yeah, so much but, passion of the christ, but i guess passion just blew it away passion of christ is the highest grossing independent film of all time uh Domestically, it's the highest-grossing R-rated film I think of all yeah. time domestically, and there's also uh, in, in America the highest-grossing foreign-language film. Okay, uh, <laughs> it has an Australian connection, but not one we're as proud of these days as we used to be. <laughs> right? Uh, there's a lot more made of the fact that he was actually born in America yeah, these yeah. days. <laughs> <laughs> that, that must be interesting, just knowing the specific life uh, experiences of every actor or director, just in case. <laughs> They they have a little meltdown. It's just like, uh, you know what? He was living in Kentucky at yeah. that time. <laughs> but um, but no, uh, now I don't mean to say that uh, Crocodile Dundee is a bad movie. I think it's actually quite good and very funny. But uh, really? that is, yeah, I, think, I don't like it. I think You're it's like crazy. A, I think it's a, like Crocodile Dundee to me is like a classic fish out of water story, and yeah. that's all it is, and that's all it aspires to be. The the next but two are rubbish, I, but I, the first one's okay. I mean, this is just my bleeding heart liberalism coming through. But there's a part where a transvestite is humiliated just for being a transvestite, and we're all supposed to laugh about I, it. I consider yeah, that you, a function what, of the yeah, time. What, yeah, what you don't understand was that time in Australia, <laughs> 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 where even the most enlightened of our philosophers and thinkers would have thought that that was a hilarious joke <laughs> and one that we should export to the world as an example of our sophisticated humor see and now i look at that and i just see it as a joke that doesn't work uh, you yeah. know and you're like oh well they can't all be winners but uh but i i like that one and i, I find it to be uh, quite charming and then when i was a kid i did see young einstein and reckless kelly yep 
And there are others, but I didn't see them. Uh, Mr. Accident. Mr. Accident, yes. I believe was one. <laughs> and so <laughs> it's really just a matter of time. Like if you talk to anybody about Australian film, even people that like don't follow movies or anything, they'll say like, oh, Yahoo Serious, right? Because it's a fun thing to say. Uh-huh. Um, and so like w- w- what – what was it like at the time when he was exploding for movies? When, ya- that are, that when are Yahoo Serious Mania was at its height, because <laughs> yeah. he was huge here. Was he big there? Like- I think he was bigger here than okay. he was at home. Like there was a, a small period of time where, like you know, Yahoo Serious. It, it, it just you know what Yahoo Serious was? He was a real life example of that episode of The Simpsons where Bart becomes the I didn't do it kid. <laughs> and he has that moment of fame where everybody in the world thinks it's the biggest thing in the world. And then like, you know, one week later, they've all forgotten about it. That was Yahoo Serious. But on a grand scale to the world. It was strange, like how it just, even as a kid, I, I knew, I was like, this guy, he's like on all these uh, talk shows for this one movie, Young Einstein, and I saw it and I laughed because I was a child. Mm. You know, uh, him splitting an atom with a hammer and chisel is still funny to oh, that's, me. That's, <laughs> ju- that's pretty funny. I'll admit that. Um, <laughs> we're all laughing about it now. Yeah. So, um, But like, is, is that something that uh, if somebody were to bring it up now – do you like kind of loosen your collar and be like, ah, oh, geez, well, uh, you know, hey, we also had Peter Weir or something like that? It would, it would probably be the the equivalent of saying, everyone takes it in good spirit because everyone thinks it's hilarious. Okay, <laughs> but it would be like you, you know, going to another country and all they were saying, ah, oh, David Hasselhoff. Okay, yeah, <laughs> that that would be about the equivalent. Which, if we went to Germany, yeah. it sounds like that's what it would what would yeah. happen. Um, and then, uh, oh, I feel like, oh yeah. So I did have uh, one last question about The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Now, David, if I'm not mistaken, your uh, I think your favorite episode it's long of the my Simpsons, favorite episode of The Simpsons is the one where they go to Australia. Where they go to Australia. Now, <laughs> Australia does not come off well in that episode. <laughs> no. They're drunk. Yeah. They're beer. Yeah. Right. Like, and they're just and they're, they're big into like corporal punishment and right. all that. And <laughs> the, the, the prime minister floats around in a in a tire in like a large puddle <laughs> in a dam. I think of mine. That's what that's called. <laughs> it's funny. It's hilarious. But at the same time, I've never. I've never been to Australia, yeah. and uh, I think it's funny because it's some other place. Was there? Whereas when when uh, the Simpsons made fun of New Orleans, yeah, they did not take kindly. They did that. not care for that. What was the? Uh, what is the response now to that episode? Because it is a well known episode. Yes, and it, it's it's very interesting that you ask this because it is firmly split into two camps. Okay. Uh, one camp is is my camp, which is that when you see the Simpsons go to anywhere, uh-huh. they always do outrageously horrible, offensive stereotypes. <laughs> like any time they go anywhere, like that's that is their. They don't like when they get kidnapped when they go to Brazil. Yeah, and the the the. Uh kidnappers they get their big briefcase of money and they're like ah look at all that pink and purple our money sure is gay (laughs) yeah i guess that'd be offensive if i was from brazil here's what you know about the simpsons whether you like the simpsons or not um and maybe this is something that people don't like about the simpsons but the the people who write the simpsons are smarter than us 
<laughs> right? The people who write The Simpsons are all, you know, Harvard graduates and all these, right. like, you know, and they every they know what they're doing. They put everything there. So when they go to your country and they horribly stereotype things and get things hideously wrong, that is not because they're suddenly people who can't Google things or look things up on the internet <laughs> to make jokes about. They're doing it on purpose. Uh-huh. So the accents are horribly offensive and outrageous like it would be the equivalent of somebody doing some horrible asian you know accent uh, yeah how uncomfortable that would make people feel uh-huh. that's how outrageously offensive those accents are the information is all wrong like even in the parliament which is the obviously a lot of it they're in robes and gowns <laughs> people wear normal clothes in the australian parliament that's the british parliament but the people who write the simpsons don't get that stuff wrong like right. they get that stuff wrong on purpose because right. they know that it's offensive it's, it's more funny to pretend that we're just like Britain. And don't, like, you know, that's more funny than getting everything perfect. And there's kangaroos everywhere and koalas and all that ridiculous stuff that is, you know, my life is you know, pretty much the same here in America as it is in Australia. Like, the, you know, so, well, uh, I, so anyway, but so people were genuinely offended they're like oh they got that wrong and our voices are and our prime minister isn't in a damn (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um, I forgot I was going to say I was going to say something oh well I'll come back to it that's right. oh yeah okay the other thing I think most people who drink beer know this that Foster's is not you don't. You don't. All, you guys don't all drink Fosters. No, we don't drink Fosters at all. You drink Coopers. Is that what it is? Uh, no. Well, it, Australia is a uh, very state by state beer specific. Oh, okay. So uh, in Queensland, they tend to drink Forex beer. Uh, in New South Wales, which is where Sydney is, they they, drink, they tend to drink Twees. Uh, in Melbourne, they will drink uh, Victoria Bitter or Melbourne Bitter. Uh-huh. In Tasmania, they'll drink Bogues or uh, Cascade. In in South Australia, they will drink Coopers. Okay. And uh, in Western Australia, they used to drink Swan. That's or, good to know. So there you go. But but Coopers is quite a famous Australian beer. Now it's become uh, a crossover beer because it's a really good beer. Yeah, there used to be an Australian restaurant in San Diego I would go to during Comic Con. It's since closed. And once, like I I tweeted like. I'm not going to drink Foster's. What should I drink? And someone said, we drink Cooper's. Yeah. So that's what I ordered, and it was great. I went to an Australian restaurant. It's called Outback. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, pretty good stuff. No. You guys really get a steak right. Yeah. So well done. <laughs> so, anyway, so okay, that is, this has turned yeah. into the Australian, like, <laughs> ask an Australian. <laughs> yeah. Is Australia like Outback restaurant? <laughs> I don't know. Is Mexico like Taco Bell? <laughs> yeah. And then I, I went to... Uh, I went. I went into Texas and I just started. And I would eat peanuts and just throw the shells on the floor like a Lone, uh, Lone Star Steakhouse. Yeah. They got really mad at me. Yeah. They said it wasn't like that. But uh, all right, I think we've exhausted all the Australian stuff. I want to talk. Uh, we should be wrapping up soon. I want to talk about you as a comedian. We haven't talked about that mm-hmm. uh, at all. Um, I mean, how'd you get? How'd you get started in comedy? How have things been going? We knew who you were. Uh, I think. Mostly because of you are never not funny, which is the podcast that is the reason that we have a podcast. Mm-hmm. It was the inspiration for us. Yeah, it's such a great podcast too. It's I mean, just to be in a room with Jimmy, mm-hmm. like I'm such a fa- okay. Well, it, it, yeah, I'll answer in an answer. Um, Inception style, Christopher Nolan will get involved. <laughs> this will, don't I hope this is not going to blow your mind. <laughs> no, uh, so basically, um, I was just a fan. 
I was just a fan of comedy. I loved comedy. I, I, I grew up in the country. My father is a, a dairy farmer, and his uh, father was a dairy farmer who built the road that my dad still lives on. It is called Anderson's Road, named after my grandfather who built the road. <laughs> my brother uh, also works on that farm still. Uh-huh. Uh, so the first person I met who was in show business was myself, <laughs> and I have no right to be in show business in any way. I just want. I thought that comedians were like. I thought comedians were the smartest people that I had ever heard. Like when I first started to hear comedy, I thought, how come these people understand the world so much better than everybody else does? They say they say not only what I think about the world, and I'm too afraid to say, but they say it in such concise and easy to enjoy ways. Like, you know, that's that's great. I want to be around that. I want to and then I started realizing that there was a lot of like philosophy, you know, behind comedy. So I got into people like Bill Hicks and uh, George Carlin and so I, I was always really influenced by American comedy because at home we didn't have any access to, A, if there were comedians doing that sort of stuff on our scene, they, none of them had recorded work or anything like that. So all I had access to was British comedians and American comedians. And for me, I I responded to like you know, the George Carlos and Carlins and the, you know, I like Richard Pryor and you know, people like this who were just, yeah, seemed to be able to talk about all these issues and you know, things that were going on. So... Um, I, I was just like, well, I, I would, I would like to, to do that. How do you do that? <laughs> so, <laughs> how, how, I mean, if there wasn't as much of a, I guess, infrastructure for comedy, or, I mean, are there, did you do open mics and, and all? I mean, is that? They do have open mics. I okay. often feel like people always, um, come to me for advice uh-huh. and I always say to them, I have like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I know nothing, but they say, I say, why have you come to me for advice? And they said, well, you just kind of kept making it up and it seemed to work for you. So we've all just decided to follow what you did. So I feel like a lot of the time at home, I do feel like I'm just like, I started a podcast and then everyone was like, I wish I have a podcast as well. And I say, why did you start one? I'm like, I don't know. I just copied off some guys in America who <laughs> had podcasts that I liked. That's, That's usually how it works. Yeah, yeah. Right? There's one person starts and it's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, all right. Don't come to me. I'm not an expert. I was just copying (laughs) off someone else. (laughs) But um, so, but but there was sort of a a live comedy scene at that time. So I basically threw myself into the live comedy scene and started doing open mic and stuff. So that was 18 years ago now. So quite a long time ago. And and at that stage, it wasn't much of a career choice back home. Like there was there was probably at that I would have said there was probably ten comedians in the country who would have been making a living doing comedy Mm -hmm. at that point. Now I'd say there's probably fifty. You know, mm-hmm. so I mean, that's eighteen years. But if you think about it, that's a that's yeah. a big difference between like when I first started and now. Like a lot of people at home could legitimately say I'm a comedian and you know be paying their bills and whatever. You know, so as do, a do the fifty of you all know each other? And are, are you all friends, or is it all out of fiercely um, competitive jealousy and backstabbing? <laughs> uh, no, we all know each other. It's pretty friendly, actually. I think comedy's really friendly because I think so much of it. I mean, because I travel the world and I find it so easy to travel because normally you run into somebody that you've run into at some other gig, or you've done a gig with someone who's done another gig, and people are so welcoming. You know, they they always tend to look after you. You know, because. They might need a favor as well sometime. I think sometimes that, you know, you're like, do my podcast. And then one day they'll have a podcast and they'll come and do your podcast. <laughs> you know, it, it kind of works like that. Yeah. So I travel around the world and people will hook me up with gigs, you know, wherever I go based on that maybe when they're coming to Australia, I'll help them out with gigs right. and whatever. So, 
it, it's kind of you know fun like that. You get to sort of you know travel around and all that. So are you uh, are you in in town here for something specific, or uh, it, can you not talk about it? Uh, yeah, th- that makes it sound more. Yeah, I cannot <laughs> talk about the fact that I have nothing going on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing a lot of stand up. It's been uh, it's been really cool. But that's basically what is my main focus anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, ideally, if you're looking at like whose career would I like. Uh, I like Louis C.K. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'd like to do mostly stand-up at, with maybe some sort of, you know, media project that, like, Louis' life seems like a good life to me. Yeah. Like, he mostly I, I'm does. not even a comedian and I want his life yeah. because he gets to do exactly what he wants. Yeah. <laughs> like, all the time. Yeah. So, basically, all I want is to do exactly what I want all the time. <laughs> yeah. Is that too much to ask, America? <laughs> all I've come here asking for is exactly what I want all the time. <laughs> Uh, now, I, I know we need to uh, wrap up, and uh, we'll we'll you know uh, talk about uh, you know your website and contacts and that kind of thing uh, a little bit later. But I do want to go into a bit more detail about uh, your podcast because you mentioned that uh, you have one, and I've listened to a few episodes of it, and I enjoy it quite a bit. Um, so. You started a podcast a couple years ago at this point? Yeah, that's right. We've done about 80 episodes. So, okay. yeah, that's yeah, a couple of years. We try to do one a week. Okay. And the name of it is? Uh, TOFOP. Okay. T-O-F-O-P. Uh, yeah, TOFOP. Okay. Uh, uh, it stands for, and we mentioned uh, Russell Crowe earlier in the mm-hmm. podcast, it stands for uh, 30-odd foot of pod, okay. uh, which is a play on uh, Russell Crowe's band, 30-odd foot of grunt, mm-hmm. uh, because I, I've always been fascinated by the name of his band for two reasons. One, he's just, I mean, come on, I mean, he's just hes just such a pretentious <laughs> arsehole. He's like, I mean, I love Russell Crowe. I think Russell Crowe is a great actor. Mm-hmm. I think he now chooses really bad roles, but bad Back when he didn't choose really bad roles, he was a really good actor who could. I, I think in like his performance in The Insider, the yeah, one he yeah. should have won the Academy Award yes. for, not the one he did win the Academy Award for, I think was amazing. And at that time, he was doing really great work. And oh, if you've never seen an Australian film, oh, I'm not going to forget the name of the film, but it was his Romper Stomper. Romper. Oh, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, just fantastic. His performance in Romper Stomper, yeah, just yeah. like you know. And oh, he's in a great Australian film that people probably haven't heard of, which. I love. It was a, a play that got made into a film, and it's a little story about a, uh, a like a really suburban dad, like getting coming to terms with the fact that his son, who is not a like a, a fe- he's, he's gay, but he's not like what his dad would have thought was a gay because his dad's from that old school of mm-hmm. you know, gays being these you know sort of flamboyant home flaming yeah, like yeah, the green sort of, yeah. yeah yeah. Whereas like his son is this you know bricky who you know plays football with a local team and you know he lives with his dad and it's this great uh, little film. Yeah, Jack Thompson, a great Australian actor, is in it as as well. And what's it it's, called? It's called The Sum of Us. Okay. I really, it's it's a really lovely little film. It, the, the, if you, if there's a criticism of it, it feels a little bit like a play that they've made into a film because that's mm-hmm. what it is. Mm-hmm. But it's so lovely and charming. And Russell Crowe, if you want to see a guy act, like he acts in this film, like mm-hmm. you you just believe every bit of this character. And it's kind of you know it's almost like light comedy with a tiny little bit of drama. So mm-hmm. you don't get to have that sort of actor thing where you like, yeah, it's easy. I, I sometimes think as an actor, and I, I don't. I'm not an actor, so I'm not going to. But it's like it's easier to be like the skinhead stomping someone's head than just to play like a you know a light comedy, like mm-hmm. almost like <laughs> a light romantic you know relationship piece with your dad, and just get it all right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I think he's yeah he does such a good job. You know, 
you know, you know, in that film with that. But that was kind of his peak. I don't know why I got into Russell Crowe. Why uh, did I? The name of your podcast. Oh, sorry. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, but he's also a horribly pretentious <laughs> musical artist on the side. <laughs> horribly horrible. He makes the worst music and it's, it, it's just horrible. But so his band was called uh, 30 Odd Foot of Grunt. But then he changed the name of his band because he got new mus- musicians and relaunched his career. And he called them the ordinary fear of God. And you may notice that the letters are exactly the same. So he didn't have to change the merchandise because it all said Tofog. So he just changed the name with the different letters. And that alone sums up everything that you need to know about Russell Crowe. And well, that- who do you think is the worst, uh, uh, the worst uh, pretentious actor slash musician, Russell Crowe or Billy Bob Thornton? Oh. I don't know if you've ever sat through, if you ever watched or listened to that radio interview. Oh, man. Have you ever seen that? I have. It, it is, is rough going. It is uncomfortable. <laughs> he is such a prick. But anyway, so that, that was our <laughs> tribute to, uh, to, to Russell Crowe was, uh, was to do that. But oh, I, I, no, the big one for Australians is uh, Sam Worthington because uh-huh. like Sam Worthington is like Foster's. It's like our joke to the world <laughs> because <laughs> like... <laughs> Like it's just hilarious to us back home when people drink Fosters because no one drinks Fosters in Australia, and it's hilarious to us that people seem to keep giving Sam Worthington work, <laughs> like because and they keep buying his act like this that Aussie thing that he does that like, oh, I was just me mate James me mate Jim gave me a call James Cameron and uh, yeah I was just I was sleeping on a mate's couch mate yeah I, that's the sort of Aussie bloke I am you know I'm in a three thousand dollar suit but I'm wearing me old boots on the on the red carpet mate because i don't really care about hollywood and being famous and stuff i'm a bit fat at the moment i don't care mate i was just anyway i was doing this film for eight million dollars mate and i anyway i was sleeping on my mate's couch because i'm a pretty aussie and it's like <laughs> and he's like he always says oh, i was just helping me most i didn't even want to go to the audition at nida now here's something you need to know about nida which is the national institute of dramatic arts in australia there you cannot get into that course unless you do an audition that has three set pieces one of them is a shakespeare three set pieces one is a shakespeare you don't just Sam Worthington oh, I just went along with a mate and I was standing there and they said do you want to audition really did you know three set pieces with one Shakespeare off the top of your head because you were just an Aussie bloke who didn't care about being a nighter that you stayed at for three years and I was sleeping in my mate's couch no you weren't you were in every Australian film every single Australian film they wouldn't make a film without you Sam see this is a <laughs> like his whole Hollywood story was that he got Avatar out of, like he was sleeping in his mate's car when he got Avatar uh-huh. no he was in every single Australian <laughs> film like every See, winning awards I, I I, of course haven't given a second thought to Sam Worthington why would I no. uh, I've seen him act if either of you want to call, call it that I don't find him to be, be very charismatic uh, a friend of mine said uh, said oh well you should see on uh, Netflix there's him in Macbeth and I was like ugh I feel like that can't be great right I don't know. Maybe he's a great Shakespearean actor. I don't know. I don't consider him to be that good. I don't think he has much of a screen presence. I think I don't what, building Avatar around him is a mistake. But um, but I, I certainly didn't know that, that he is so just reviled in, in Australia. I didn't <laughs> well, know that at all. Maybe, maybe more by me than others. But <laughs> I don't know. Fine. I feel like I went a little yeah. over the top. But, it, but no. I, I, you, you understand here on this show, you represent Australia. Yeah. So yeah, for, exactly. as far as our listeners are concerned, Australia hates Sam Worthington. Well, <laughs> I, just, I just think it's funny about 
because often we look to overseas for validation. Mm-hmm. Like when Animal Kingdom did well at home, but it also did well overseas and Jackie Weaver, who was in that, got an Oscar nomination and suddenly that becomes, you know, a much more important film to Australians. So we do also monitor when it happens uh-huh. the other way around where sometimes you go... Because it's quite interesting to us. There's an Australian uh, comedic actress who's doing quite well. Uh, she was in Bridesmaids and a bunch of other things called Rebel Wilson. Oh, right. Yeah. And uh, She's got her own sitcom coming up. I yeah, think. that's right. Yeah. And I think she's done a good job with all those films. But she was someone who wasn't really working back home. Like, you know, she uh-huh. did a couple of little things. And it's really nice to watch, you know, people who kind of go, well, it didn't work for me back home, but I, hmm. I'm going to go over and, you know, have a crack and so see what I- happens. I feel like we got you so yeah. far off topic. Sorry, yes. What do you do on your... Oh, we got you uh, off topic. I should be apologizing to you. What do you do on your podcast? Uh, yeah, that's right. We'll tell you. Basically, this is what we do on my podcast. I like, Basically, my friend Charlie starts talking about things, and then I ramble distractedly for about 45 minutes, and then he says what we were talking about, and we go back to it. But, uh, yeah, it's... We talk about nonsense. It's... We talk about a lot of hypothetical situations, and a lot of them have to do with Batman. (laughs) So, if you're the sort of person who might be interested in like a 45-minute dissection of whether Batman would use the Batman voice if he was at home with Alfred, but he was still in the Batman costume, because like, does he always use the voice when he's in the costume, or does he go, well, Alfred knows that it's me, so I won't use the voice, because it hurts to use the voice, and then is he just talking in the normal voice in his bat suit? Like, if you think that deserves a 45 minute conversation uh, then that's we, I, then I, I have a podcast for you <laughs> now it brings another question what if somehow say the Riddler or something gets Batman's like phone number in the Bat Cave and he's just in his Bruce Wayne like yeah. sweats and he answers the phone and it's the Riddler does he yeah. then use the does he have to put on the suit in order to use the voice exactly <laughs> Right, okay. You, you would love the podcast <laughs> because this is exactly how it goes. Yeah, I, uh, in fact, if Charlie's ever away, you can fill in. All right, I will very, very, subscribe to me. Yeah, I, I listened uh, to, I believe the first episode I listened to involved uh, you guys taking a survey uh, that you found in a magazine to determine if you guys would be a compatible couple. Oh, that's true. Uh, which, by the way, I love the idea of it so much that I was like, we should do it on our show. Wait, yeah. that's not movie related. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I, I enjoyed it because I felt like it was it was fun. It was nice to know how much he because the, the guy I do it with is just a, a friend of mine, and uh, it's our it's just our catch up. We we literally yeah. started it so that we you know could have an hour conversation a week. That's funny. Tyler and I have it's known each bad. other for I guess thirteen years 13 at this years. point, but uh, we talk for. Uh, yeah, I've said before about eighty, eighty-five percent of our conversations take place on the podcast. Yeah, it's an excuse. With the to other catch up. fifteen taking place about the podcast. B- about the podcast before we start recording. <laughs> right. Yeah, and trying not to be interesting, <laughs> like to yeah. keep your interesting stuff for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. Uh, the majority of our other conversations, literally now, are is this something for the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sooner or later, everybody uh, has a podcast, and yeah. they won't talk to each other unless yeah. there's a microphone. All uh, right. So. Go ahead. Well, let's let's wrap That's it up. Well, where yeah. where, uh, where can people find third, uh, 30 out for the pod? I know it's Tofop, but I'm yeah. call it the full name. Yeah, if they just put, yeah, Tofop into iTunes, or okay. you can do yeah, Tofop.com if you're not an iTunes person. Now, I refer to it as the ordinary fear of pod. That's the way I, <laughs> yeah. you know. I, that's what I was hoping, that it would ha- have that sort of crossover. There you I go. Like yeah. 
Uh, and where else can people find you on the internet? Internet and find uh, yeah, out where so, to see you. And- <clears throat> yeah, so my my uh, internet is um, my internet, my website, <laughs> uh, my email. <laughs> I'll give you all of them. My Tumblr. Uh, no, willanderson.com.au is the is the best place to find all the links because I'm on Twitter at uh, will underscore anderson and anyway I'm all over the place. And but if you go to will, my it's website, will with one I'll oh, will with one L. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, will with one L. The Australian spelling. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's right. We're very lazy down under. We don't. If, if it's not necessary, Matt with one T. Like if I, if I can't hear it, then I'm not putting on a piece of paper. Uh, and and uh, sorry, and your Twitter is. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. So it's uh, Will One L underscore Anderson uh, S O N. So uh, yeah, you can you can follow me there, and uh, you know, there's my stuff. If you're interested in anything that you heard, you'll find something else, and then you'll find something else. It's up to you guys. I don't need to tell you about them all, right? Now. <laughs> yeah, they're all Settle. In, you don't need it all right now. Find something else and then find something else. So yeah, go uh, go check that out, Will. Thank you so much for being here. I My pleasure. Thanks for fun. having me. It's very exciting. I've always listened and imagined what it would be like. Oh, does so this now place I look, did you imagine an actual studio or did you imagine an apartment? No, I imagined an apartment. Okay, okay. I, I'm and I, look, I don't know what this says about me. I, I think this is slightly better than I imagined. Oh. <laughs> and what does that say? Does that say that I had low expectations? Yeah, or does maybe. that say that maybe this is like... It says that, uh, you know, we've mentioned that I that I, we record in my apartment in yeah. North Hollywood, and <laughs> yeah. most of them are pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. I've got a great apartment in North Hollywood, which is why we don't record there. David has a great apartment, yes. <laughs> um, so I'll do this real quick. Uh, you can find us at battleshipretention.com. Email David Battleship... I said I was going to do it quick, and here I am stumbling over myself. Email david at battleshipretention.com or tyler at battleshipretention.com. Twitter, at the pretension. Twitter for Tyler, at more lessons, uh, not more lesions, which our friend Matt accidentally... <laughs> uh, you, I guess you didn't get it because it didn't show up. He, right. Our friend Matt tweeted and made reference to you, but accidentally typed at more lesions. Well, now I'm going to have to build a whole <laughs> podcast and website around <laughs> that Twitter lesion. handle. <laughs> All right. Um, so that's at more lessons, which is uh, his other podcast, morethanonelesson.com. My other podcast is the weekly television review show Previously On, which is at previouslyonshow.com, or you can just find it on battleshipretention.com these days. All right. Uh, there are a couple of actual things that I, I just remembered. Number one, uh, our last video for a while has been posted. Uh, we talk about the Richard Linklater film Bernie, and then we have uh, Lorraine Newman on to talk about uh, unlikely killers, much like uh, the character of Bernie. And uh, I'm proud of that episode, so please give it a watch. Also, there, uh, and we'll be saying this from time to time, there's a new addition to the Battleship Pretension fleet uh-huh. The podcasting fleet, as we like to call it. Uh-huh. Uh, I started calling it that, and I want other people to call it that. That's what I mean <laughs> when I say that. Uh, and that is the Auteur cast. Yeah, a friend of the show, um, West Anthony, and mm-hmm. um, uh, Rudy Obias, formerly of the Criterion cast, um, mm-hmm. who is a friend of us, but since he hasn't been on the show, we can't call him friend of the show. He sure isn't. <laughs> but he is. Yeah, so uh, yeah, West and Rudy do an awesome podcast wherein they take a director at a time and they do chronologically one episode about each film now david have they covered christopher nolan uh they have and i was actually on at the end of them they do a wrap-up episode and i was their guest for the christopher nolan retrospective okay. um which i already talked about in the show and then i was also most recently uh their final film in the uh, kubrick series of episodes i was on there to talk about eyes wide shut mm-hmm. and you I was uh, on to talk on. about uh, dr strange love so we both were in the kubrick series so definitely mm-hmm. yeah check out the auteur cast um if 
you're going to be at Comic-Con. We will be doing another Thursday night meetup. It's going to be uh, at 8 p.m. I can pretty much go ahead and say it, although this could change next week. But I'm pretty much going to say it's uh, going to be at a bar called Dublin Square, which is on 4th Street. Just one uh, one over, one to the left of 5th uh, Street if you're if the convention center is behind you. And it's going to be at 8 p.m. And we're, we're going we're gonna to do it right. It's, gonna, it's, it's, it's not just going to be meet us at a bar we happen to be at, be at, which is what our last couple of meetups have been. We're going to have the space and uh, hopefully you're going to have um, some drinks and it's it's going to be... So we're like reserving a space. Yeah, boy, that's going to be embarrassing if people don't show up. Yeah, well, um, we are uh, uh, yeah, details, it's, to, it's, details to follow. Yeah, because we're it's not just us. We're doing it with Criterion Cast and with the Warner Archive. So that's the that's the big thing. Um, details to follow. Um, God, fingers crossed. I'm going to cut this out, but we, we you might be able to drink for free uh, at our meetup. All so right. That's 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 what I've been working on with the uh, other guys. Um, so yeah, if you're going to be at Comic Con, definitely come to our meetup. I want to make it a, a more regular yearly thing. That's an actual event. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's it. Will, thanks again. Thank, Thank you. Very thanks much. for sitting through that. Yeah, sorry <laughs> and, about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks for listening at home. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.